Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everyone and welcome along to the latest episode of La Liga Lowdown. I'm your host Jim McTeer and this episode is rebroadcast on Sirius XMFC 157. This is a recap of the 27th round of the La Liga season and it's a round that was marked by all the derbies. The first of the nine matches played so far was a derby between Levante and Valencia and the most recent of the nine matches was El Gran Derby between Sevilla and Real Betis. We're going to discuss those games in part one of this episode. Well, we've got discussion coming up of Karim Benzema's latest piece of magic, of Iber's relegation fears, and much more. We'll start right now then by bringing in Paco Pollock to discuss the Valencian derby that took place on Friday night. A goal from Levante's Roger Marti proved to be the only one of the game, and means that Levante have their first derby victory since 2016. So Paco, Levante's fan base have waited five years for this, how important then was this 1-0 win over Valencia for them? Well, you can imagine it was huge for them, even though it was a pity that Levante fans couldn't enjoy it inside their resile, shiny, modern ground. After a season where Levante found themselves fighting for the dream of the Copa del Rey final till the proverbial last minute of their second leg game against Athletic Club, Fans were worried that their team would let themselves go in the last stretch of the competition. However, they managed to bounce back after an awful performance against Real Sociedad last week and beat their neighbors in a not-too-brilliant local derby. Also, it's the first time Paco Lopez has been able to beat Valencia since he's been in Levante's dugout. Levante had been playing a free centre-backs system recently, but... For this game, they returned to a back four, and it was Valencia who switched to play three centre-backs. Did that surprise you? Actually, it didn't, because we had been paying close attention to the training sessions during the week, and it was more or less expected. Levante's tactics depended on Buksevic being 100% fit, which he was, and when he's on the pitch, Paco Lopez has the confidence to play four at the back with three midfielders to try and deliver speedy breaks with Morales and De Frutos very close to the wings. Regarding Valencia, unfortunately their three centre-back plan didn't exactly work as planned with plenty of mistakes, nerves and problems during their build-up of any play. Not exactly the best way to execute a game plan indeed. Yeah, Mukhtar Diakabi was in the middle of the back three and had a big mistake trying to play out from the back. That led to the goal. It's not his first high-profile mistake, is it? 
You know, at the end of the day, someone will believe I enjoy hating on Diakabi when the fact is that he's probably been the best centre-back this season for the team, which also goes both ways. It shows he's done well this year and that the team's defending overall has been lacklustre to say the least. The main issue here is that Diakabi never, ever should have been placed in the middle of the back three. Hugo Guillamon should have been the chosen one, with Diakabi on the left and Gabi Paulista on the right. The French defender suffers quite a lot whenever he has to dribble the ball or make that first clean pass from the back. And Levante took full advantage in the mistake that generated the only goal of the game. So I will chalk up half of the responsibility to Diakabi for that horrible passing ability and the other half to Javi Gracia, the coach, for insisting on making a player to do things he's definitely not ready to do properly. We really, I guess, need to split the credit for the goal three ways because Roger Marti still finished it so well. He now has 11 La Liga goals this season, so is he maybe one of the most underrated stars of the Spanish league? I definitely believe Roger deserves a chance at some point in Luis Enrique's squad for the Spanish national team just for the sake of it. It's actually amazing. Roger has actually been able to bounce back from a series of tough injuries in his knees when he was younger. And now, a few weeks after his 30th birthday, he's having one of the best seasons of his whole career. It's true that Jose Luis Morales tends to be the most catch-penny player of the team whenever he has a good game, but we should deliver high praise to Roger Marti's silent work as a clinical finisher of the team, creating alongside El Comandante a terrific dynamic duo. Finally, Paco, Levante have never, 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 never finished a La Liga season higher than Valencia in the league table. They're currently five points ahead. Do you think they'll be ahead of Valencia after the 38th match day this year? Okay, um, the number of games ahead is still pretty high, with 33 points to be fought for, and Levante have always actually taken a nap whenever they have avoided relegation in the last few games, only winning a small handful of them. But um, taking a glance at how both teams have played to date, how inconsistent and wobbly Valencia seem to be, and the scheduling for both teams, I think Levante are actually, and for the first time ever, the big favourites in this sort of fight for the local honour of being the best team in the city of Valencia. Thanks, Paco. It'll be interesting to see who comes out on top at the end of the season in this rivalry. We're going to stick with the derby theme now and focus on the Seville derby next. The rivalry between Sevilla and Real Betis is one of the hottest in Spain. Perhaps the very best rivalry if you really had to rank them. It's a match that produces strong emotions and... Even if the fans couldn't be inside the stadium for this one, well, the radio commentators still brought their emotion to the table. And we're going to hear exactly how in our Sore Throat Game of the Week segment. We've got Alan Feely coming up to talk us through what was a 1-0 win for Sevilla over their neighbours. Here's Alan then to describe Sunday night's action. If there's one fixture in Spanish football that suffers from lack of supporters, it's El Gran Derby between Sevilla and Real Betis. El Clasico is the biggest game of the Spanish football season, with quality in the pitches unrivaled. But Seville Derby is the local stake that's untouched anywhere else in Spain. Sevilla and Betty, and by extension their supporters, define themselves against each other. This fixture matters like nothing else in Iberia's hottest city. This particular clash was also heightened given the positions of each club in the table. Sevilla, spoken about as title challengers not too long ago, 
have seen their form form off a cliff since they got done in by earning Haaland last month, while Betty have turned their interesting but inconsistent early season fair into a European push. The game itself, at Sevilla's sanchez Pijuan wasn't exactly a classic. It was tightly contested and high quality, however, with good football and high tackles. Antonio Mateo Lajos, La Liga's most high-profile referee, let things flow. The game-defining moment came in the 27th minute. Nabil Fakir lost the ball to Jules Koundé, who linked with Fernando before spinning it wide right to Jesus Navas, who was playing in his 20th Seville derby, a record. The 35-year-old, a died in the woods of Easter from Las Palacios, carried forth before launching a high ball into Youssef and Naziri. The Moroccan forward is prolific, but not entirely trusted by coach Julian Napategi. He delivered here, however, taking the ball past Joel Robel before finishing from an almost impossibly tight angle to record his 28th goal of the season in all competitions, drawing level with Karim Benzema. It was a goal that suitably enthused Andes Hero in their commentary. Navas, mete arriba buscando a Nesiri, qué buen balón, qué buen balón, el control de Nesiri, sale Joel Robles, Nesiri, gol, 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 the one of victory is a much needed tonic for Sevilla, who need to readjust and recalibrate after exits from the Copa del Rey and the Champions League that came hot in the heels of each other. They're now six points clear of Real Sociedad and nine clear of Betty, and will to finish the season strong to retain their top four place. Betty showed the faces on the evening, using the Spanish expression to denote putting in a performance they can be proud of, and even came close to grabbing an equaliser with the last caps chance they felt to Fakir, as detailed by the team at Carousel Deportivo. Le quedan 5 segundos al partido. Tira hacia arriba otra vez. Joel Robles. Ojo a esa pelota. Puede ver ahí complicaciones al borde del área. La quiere despejar el Sevilla. La tiene Fekir en el área. Se va saliendo. Se resbala. Se resbala. Le puede pegar. Le puede pegar. Tiene camino para pegarle. Sigue Fekir. Le pega. ¡Fuera! Y ahí se acaba. Y final del partido. Ganó el Sevilla. ¡Qué ocasión ha tenido el Betis! Hubiera sido espectacular terminar el partido con ese pedazo de gol que hubiera metido Fekir. 48 y medio, Sevilla 1, Betis 0. El Sevilla se marcha en la cuarta plaza, 9 puntos del conjunto bético. Manuel Pellegrini's team are no joke and stand a real chance of fighting for Europa League place. There was only one winner, but there was no real losers in this game. Both of Seville's clubs, as proud and strong as the city itself, are in a good place right now and can look forward to the future with clarity and optimism. Thanks, Alan. Yes, it maybe wasn't a footballing classic, certainly wasn't the 5-3 derby we had a couple of years ago, but as we heard, this is still a fixture that gets the emotions flowing. You could notice it in that second commentary clip where you could hear the groans live on air of a few of the betters leaning radio contributors as they missed that last gasp chance. But as with the Valencian derby, it finished 1-0 to the home side. Now, those weren't the only two derbies of the weekend. Lower down the divisions, we saw Real Madrid's B team beat their Atletico Madrid counterparts 3-1. We saw Deportivo La Coruña's first team uh, beat Celta Vigo's B team 3-0 in the Segunda B. And even in La Liga, there was a third derby as Atletico Madrid had a trip to the south of the capital for a match against Hitafi. For Atleti, this is usually a happy fixture. In the Diego Simeone era, they've never conceded a goal against Hitafi. And they kept that up here, meaning it's now 19 matches that Simeone 
has faced Hitafi and he's never seen his team concede. That's 1,710 minutes. The problem for Atleti here was they themselves didn't score. They tried everything. They had a disallowed goal. They hit the post. But Hitafi keeper David Soria was in good form and managed to earn his side a goalless draw. One that was celebrated by Barcelona and Real Madrid as much as it was by Hitafi. It's a draw that throws the title race even more open and we're going to discuss that in more detail in part two. That's coming up after this short pause. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome back into this episode of La Liga Lowdown. We discussed the various derbies of the weekend in part one and now it's time to focus on the title race as we start part two. For a moment this weekend it looked like Real Madrid, the defending champions, might fall even further behind. They were at home to Elche, a relatively easy fixture on paper, but they were trailing to a Danny Calvo goal. That was until Karim Benzema scored two late goals to earn a 2-1 victory. We're going to discuss the game with our resident Real Madrid fan Hassan Karim now. And Hass, the second Benzema goal, which was his 20th of the season, it was really something, wasn't it? It was absolutely perfect. You know, the technique was so clean and so just, it was just exquisite to watch and so out of the blue. I mean, Real's goals in the last few games have all been quite late. Showing that they do just keep running and running and running until the end. I mean, I think it's something like. So that one was in the 91st minute. The one against Atletico was in the dying embers of the 80 minutes, about 88 or 89, something like that. Uh, Vinicius against La Real was against. It was again around the 90th minute. Mendy against Atalanta was in the final five minutes of uh, regulation time. Um, but yeah, no, Benzema was exquisite again. I mean, 77 goals since Cristiano Ronaldo has left the club, 
And in the three holes he scored since coming back from injury in those two appearances, he's won four points. Essentially, all the points available that the Real Madrid have won have been solid down to Benzema goals. He's just absolutely and utterly and completely indispensable for Real Madrid. If he doesn't play, Real simply don't really stand as much of a chance up front because he is literally holding that attack together, literally holding it together. Yeah, so let's talk about that. How concerning is the over-reliance on Gary Benzema? The reliance is very, very concerning, to be honest. And it's it's, it's becoming uh, very apparent in the games when Benzema doesn't play that Real do lack any form of options at the top end of the field. Um, Mariano Diaz simply isn't good enough. Luki Jovic isn't even at the club anymore. Um, you know, outside of that, who else they got in the striking department? Hugo Duro isn't good enough. Um... And, you know, the wingers don't contribute enough. Marco Asensio's been a passenger for I don't know how long at this stage. Um, Vinicius has never been, a you know, a clinical finisher. Rodrigo Ghost is probably the second best option that Real have up top. Um, you know, he's got, this, I think he's this tied for second when it comes to assists this season. Um, and he is capable of scoring. Um, and, you know, Eden Hazard, again, elite attacker when he's playing and when he's fit. But those two things are somewhat of a rarity. Um, so... By and large, Benzema is Real's Superman, and if he doesn't play, then you lose 36% of your goals this season because Casemiro is your second highest scorer. Yikes. So, given all you've just said, does this make the rumours of a Cristiano Ronaldo return at all sensible to you? As much as I loved Cristiano Ronaldo at Real Madrid, and I really, really did, and I still do, it's just... it. If you bring him back, you're going to inevitably stump Benzema because how else are you going to accommodate Cristiano Ronaldo in the team alongside Eden Hazard? Where does Benzema fit in? Um, that's the problem you've got. And Benzema's been so good for the last you know few seasons since Cristiano Ronaldo left that why would you you know essentially cut him short? It's not fair to him, um, and ultimately it just doesn't it doesn't work. It doesn't work. As much as it'd be great to have a you know a player of Ronaldo's caliber in the team, and you know by and large he's still absolutely fantastic. Um, it comes at a cost, and that's not a cost worth paying. Even if it is a wonderful nostalgia trip, it's just not worth the cost. In this Elche game, Zidane played a back three. Do you think we'll see that against Atalanta in the Champions League this midweek, or do you think this was just a tactic for this specific game? I do believe this was just a tactic related to the specific game, given that Zidane did rotate the the, uh, the lineup quite heavily. Um, so I, I don't expect that to be the case against Atalanta, considering that you know most of the options he's got are fit. Um, but it's not something you know we've not seen before. He's done it a couple of times this season, um, and I don't feel it always works that well. But um, yeah, he's definitely you know probably going to stick. With the, the traditional back four, but saying that this is Zinedine Zidane, you never quite know what he's going to do from game to game. Um, that's something he's been famed for for a long time, is throwing a complete and utter rabbit out of the hat. So, who even knows? Who even knows? Lastly, has how problematic is it in general that Real Madrid keep on struggling against teams who defend deep, like Elche did, but also like Cadiz or Alaves in previous matches? It is a problem, but it's not a new one. It's something that has been going on with Real Madrid for a long time where they really struggle 
to unlock these defences, and it's simply because I just don't feel they have the personnel to do that. I mean, Martin Odegaard was kind of perfect for that with his his his, uh, his penalty box entries and his through ball attempts. Um, I mean, leading the way in La Liga, um, you know, in that season at La Real, you know, for those two stats in particular. Um, but you know, as I said, you know, teams that do sit deep and are defensively tough to crack are teams that Real do struggle against. Um, and, you know, they've got a couple of those teams in the running. You know, they're going to face Cadiz again. They've got Hatafe coming up. Um, teams that are going you know, to sturdy to play against defensively. So it's not ideal and I don't see what Zidane's going to do to change that up considering it's been something that's been the case all season. What can you change with what you have? There isn't much. Thanks, Haas. So that come from behind win and Atleti's draw mean Real Madrid are now six points behind the league leaders. Barcelona are seven behind Atleti, but they have the chance to close the gap with their matchday 27 fixture against Huesca, which we don't know the result of yet because it's the Monday night fixture for this round. Let's see if there's goals in that game, because if that Barcelona versus Huesca game were to finish as a goalless draw, which I doubt, but if it were, then it would put this matchday 27 of the 2020-2021 season into the top 10 La Liga matchdays of all time for the fewest goals scored per game. Currently, across the first nine fixtures, we've seen just 12 goals. Just 12. We're going to talk next about the game that produced a full third of those goals, which was Villarreal's 3-1 win away at Ibar on Sunday. Moy Gomez scored in the very first minute, and from there, Villarreal managed to grind out their first win in nine league games. For Ibar, they've now gone 10 La Liga games without a win, and they're firmly inside the relegation zone. So, let's bring in Ibar fan and member of the Iber USA fan club, Jonathan Fritsch, and I'm not quite sure where to start, Jonathan, so let's start at the very start of this game where Virel scored in the first minute. That wasn't ideal for Iber, was it? Unfortunately, the start of this match was anything but ideal for Abar. I would call it probably closer to nightmarish. Uh, you know, being at home, probably wanted to start aggressively, get that first goal, have some momentum. Um, you know, Brian Heal started the match actually with a nice run, uh, ended quickly. And then within that first minute, you saw that Abar was down 1-0. And that was kind of it, unfortunately. And, and you know, having scored only seven goals in the last 10 matches, it, it just wasn't a good feeling to start a match that way. Yeah, the overall response wasn't that great. But they did sort of make a contest of it after the break, where it was 2-1 to Villarreal for most of that second half. They were definitely better in the second half, right? Yeah, Abar's response after the first goal fell pretty flat, um, much like the entirety of that first half for them. Just wasn't much going on. Sloppy play at times, bad passes. Uh, they did come out in the second half, played more aggressively, had some opportunities, just couldn't capitalize. I thought they could have gotten lucky, maybe got out of there with a with the draw on the one point. But again, much um, like last year and several times already this year, you know, they allow these late goals to kind of put that final nail in the coffin. Uh, and against Villarreal, um, it was that 87th minute goal that kind of did them in. It could have been a lot more interesting had Ivor not missed yet another penalty. They've now missed five penalties in La Liga this season, which is the most in the division. If they'd been better at penalties, where do you think they'd be in the table? I'd love to say that uh, Abar being able to convert their penalty kicks into goals would be the answer uh, to this season. But unfortunately, you know, their problems extend far, far past 11 meters, if you will. 
Um, you know, as noted, they've missed five penalty um, kicks this year. However, two of those matches were actually wins for them. The other two were by uh, losses by, you know, just one goal. Could they have gotten maybe a point here or there? Um, yes, but I still think ultimately they're going to be at the, you know, the bottom of, of the table here and still fighting off relegation. Hmm. So let's talk about that then. As an Ibra fan, how worried are you about them getting relegated this season? I'd say the the level of concern is definitely high. Um, we're not at a panic level yet, but we're inching closer, unfortunately. Um, based off the way they've played all year, uh, I don't see how this season could end well. Unfortunately, um, they are last in La Liga right now for goal scored, Abar, that is. Um, you know, their next few matches are playing some tough competition in Real Madrid, Sociedad, Atletico Madrid, and the year uh, playing against Barcelona. So um, obviously hoping for the best and they can fight off another year of relegation. Um, but that is to be determined, I guess, as they say. Yeah, all still to play for. And we'll, of course, be covering all the developments over the final months of the season on LaLigaLowdown.com and on La Liga Lowdown's social media channels. So make sure you're following us there if you're not already. Well, Jonathan, thanks for sharing your thoughts there. And I hope you can enjoy the rest of the season as much as possible. That's what... All Iber fans are trying to do, and they certainly won't stop supporting their team anytime soon. As they say, they're pocos, pero locos. There's a few of them, but they're crazy. And a few of those crazy Iber fans stood at the gates of the main stand for Sunday's loss to stand socially distancedly apart from each other and to sing and chant. Here's some audio from that scene. Good on them. There's still a strong connection between the Ibar players and the fans at the club and Ibar this week announced that for the remainder of the season they're going to play with the slogan of Denok Batera on the front of their shirts. That's Basque for everyone together. They've removed a previous shirt sponsor and replaced it with this message for the remainder of the campaign so let's see if that spirit of togetherness can translate into some points on the board soon. Now, as I already mentioned earlier, there weren't many goals this weekend across La Liga. That's because there was a lot of goalless draws. There were zero goals in the Taffy versus Atletico game that we discussed in part one, but that was also the case as Osasuna and Real Valladolid drew, and as Celta Vigo and Athletic Club drew. There was one solitary goal in the matchup between Granada and Real Sofidad, and it went Granada's way. It's not a goal that's ever going to win a goal of the month competition, but Herman Sanchez's deflected effort earned Granada the win, and that's very impressive considering how many injuries they've had recently, and considering they were in Europa League action on Thursday night, whereas Real Sofidad had had a full week off. Then, the only other goals of the weekend came in the 1-1 draw played out between Alaves and Cadiz on Saturday. Both of those goals were penalties. So yeah, it was a really dry weekend in terms of goals, but we still had a lot of interesting storylines because... Well, because of the derbies, because of the title race, the relegation battle, because of everything that was at stake over all these fixtures. I want to thank then Paco Pollitt, Alan Feely, Hassan Karim and Jonathan Fritsch for contributing to this episode and telling the stories of how much all this weekend's La Liga football mattered to the various fan bases. I've been your host, Jim McTeer, and as always, it's been a lot of fun putting this together. 
Thanks for listening, and we'll be back at the same time next week. So speak to you then. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 